HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. I'm one of HRN's interns, Nina Medvinskaya, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week's topic, the marriage of food and danger. Sometimes, danger lurks in the food that we eat. So instead of saying what is poisonous, I'd rather say what's not, because it's literally just the flesh and the fins. Food poisoning doesn't just threaten our bodies but it endangers our environment as well. The emissions of JBS combined with the other top five meat companies exceed the annual emissions of Exxon, Shell, or BP. For more, tune into this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd, I'm Elena Santigade, and today I have a bona fide cheesemaking shiro on air with me. My guest today has won over 150 national and world cheese awards, is routinely referred to as the cheesemaker with the most energy in the land, and also strikes me personally as one of the nicest people around. I'm very excited to have Marika Penterman of Marika Gouda and Holland's Family Cheese from Thorpe, Wisconsin, on the show today. Hi, Marika. Hi, Elena. Well, thank you for those flattering words. Um, <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm blushing. So, <laughs> oh, well, it was credit. it was a lot of fun. I mean, I've known of your cheeses as as a Wisconsin person. I've known of your cheeses for a very long time, but it was especially fun to do, to do research and read all of your accolades. I mean, it was like I had to figure out what I was going to fit into that little intro. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, well, thank you. Every time people uh, say those nice words, uh, it always takes me back a little bit because when I started it, I would never uh, expect it, uh, that it would have such an effect on people and, and how much they would like it. Yeah. Uh, so, well, thank you. Yeah, it's become quite the thing. So, so let's uh, give so the, our listeners a little background here for those people who aren't super familiar with your story. And correct me if I'm wrong on any of these facts. Did you... you started your um, dairy operation in Wisconsin around 2002, is that right? 
16, That's correct. 16 so, um, years ago. Um, uh, my husband, he came, we both are from the Netherlands, grew mm-hmm. up on a 60 cow dairy farm uh, in a country called the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and Holland fits about, so the Netherlands and Holland, it's, it's one same, uh, mm-hmm. two different names for one country. Right. Um, Always confusing but, to Americans, uh, I feel like. <laughs> Exactly. I had once somebody asked me, well, how far is Holland from the Netherlands? And I'm like, just as far as the USA from uh, America. <laughs> well, that's like, it's oh, a perfect, okay. yeah, so. perfect comparison. Um, yeah. And, uh, but Holland fits about uh, five times in the state of Wisconsin, only in the state of Wisconsin. Mm. And we have about almost 18 million people in Holland versus the five million here in, uh, in Wisconsin. Wow, that's a so, really um, interesting comparison, size-wise yeah. and density-wise. I hadn't thought of it in those terms before. Yeah, so, so there's a um, uh, land is very expensive. So if you would pay for an example, $4,000 an acre over here mm-hmm. uh, in Holland, it's between the forty and $60,000 an acre. So very expensive. Wow. Um, we have a lot of rules. And uh, that was one of the main reasons why um, Rolf um, did not want to continue farming in, mm. in America, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Holland. Right. And he visited different countries. He went to... Um, Canada, Sweden, Denmark, um, Germany, uh, and also America. Mm-hmm. And because America did not have a quota system, uh, mm. you could start with a relative lower capital uh, dairy farm. So that's what happened. He started together with, uh, with his uh, family, his parents and mm-hmm. his brother. And uh, they grew the farm from 350 cows into about 900 cows in about 10 years. Wow. And then in 2012, 2013, uh, they split up the partnership, and then we started on this current location. We're right by Highway 29, and um, we, uh, there was nothing, so we had to start from scratch again. Yeah. Uh, but this time we focused on education. It's, um, we found out, and I, I did the same thing. Before I started making cheese, I would, I would go to a store, pick up a piece of cheese, and I would think, wow. Uh, that's expensive. Mm. And now I go to the um, to the store, now knowing how much work it is to make cheese. I go right. to a store, pick up a piece of cheese, and think that's not enough. Right. You know? It's a fraction so, of what it's, uh, the real value is there. Yeah, indeed. And um, so I think it's very important that if, if you don't know, you, you don't know. So it, it's for us, it's very important that we can tell people and explain what mm. we're doing. And you feel, um, you see the appreciation then afterwards too, like, oh, I didn't know, or that's interesting, and now right. I know why we pay a little bit more. Right, it really, um, it also cheese. really enhances the experience of eating the cheese, you know, just when you know more about a product. I think this is why pe- people get so geeky about food in general. It's like, the more you know about it, the more the whole experience changes and uh, just gets better and better, I feel like. I totally agree. Uh, it's a bundle of joy, and uh, it's not only um, you want good quality of food, but it's also a conversation piece. So mm. if, if you have um, family or friends over and you have a piece of cheese and there is a story behind it mm. and you can explain how it is made, um, yeah, that's the best there is. You know, you have right totally. away a good conversation to talk about, and um, you can discuss things, and that's what we 
that we should do a little bit more. Right. And you mentioned that you, you're in this new location, which I loved, by the way. Listeners, just about a week a week and a half ago, I was driving on Highway 29 past Marika's mm-hmm. new facility. Yeah, where, yeah, I popped in and, and asked her, hey, come on the show. Let's, <laughs> let's chat on air next week. So it was really perfect wow. timing. But I was really wowed by the facility. I hadn't been to the new one yet. And I did notice that there is... It, you know, this idea that you're trying to educate people about how the cheese is made was really prevalent with your, you know, you had listeners, Marika has built the aging rooms so that there's a glass walls that when you're there, even just buying cheese in their shop, you can see the wheels aging in there. Um, And also even the brining tanks. I I remember seeing them. That was really fun. I was there with a friend and I got to explain to her what those were. That was really a fun moment. And I was wondering, you know, in terms of that education piece, was that something that you always had in mind or has that developed as one of your goals over time, you know, in seeing that people do, I think, sometimes expect cheese to cost a little less or they think of it as expensive and, mm-hmm. you know, has, so has that been something that you've put more attention toward recently or was that always part of what you wanted to do? No, that, that really came along, uh, the adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, when we started it, I, I just, we started it because I was missing my Gouda from Holland. Right, um, a great reason. It always reminds yes, me of, always, of like uh, other, you know, Zingerman's Creamery I, or Zing, Zingerman's Deli. I always love the story with them. They started by just wanting a really delicious Reuben sandwich. I feel like that's a great <laughs> motivation in the beginning, right? Yes, exactly. If you're craving for something, why don't you start making it yourself? Right. right. And uh, so, yeah, I always would ask family and friends if they could bring along some cheese, but uh, due to restriction by uh, custom, um, they could bring less and less. So at mm. some point it was like, can we bring still clothes or do we have to bring your cheese? So <laughs> my uh, my cheese supply got less and less. Um, and then on the other hand, I because my husband was already in a partnership farming together with a different partner, mm-hmm. I, um, I wanted to start my own business before I turned 30 and the clock was ticking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one night, and that's really how it happened, I was uh, tossing in, because my first idea was to make uh, children's furniture. Oh, wow. We that's have five so different. Children. We do, yeah, we have uh, five children. We do things very different, uh, very quickly, I mean. Um, <laughs> but I, when I was looking for um, furniture for the, for the babies, mm-hmm. uh, I really couldn't find something. Or I, hmm. and, and I thought this would be, a, I would like to draw my own. Um, furniture, the bed, the crib, uh, the changing wow. table, yeah. the dresser. So I draw everything. Then I went somewhere else because I'm not so good with a hammer and nail. So, <laughs> but nobody wanted to make it for me. Hmm. And then I wanted to, uh, if somebody wanted to do Mickey Mouse theme, I was going to uh, paint Mickey Mouse on it because I think I was pretty good in, <laughs> in painting too. I have no idea, wow. but I would have found out. But nobody wanted to uh, build it for me. Hmm. So I was tossing and turning that night, and then I heard a cow um, calving on the background mm-hmm. uh, because we were living on a farm. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. I think we should stop making our own Gouda. So I woke up and you. said, I think, I think I know what we should do. I think we should uh, start making Gouda. And he just said, well, let's talk about that in the morning. And he turned <laughs> around and fell asleep again. Uh, but my wheels were turning. 
and I came in contact with an organization called DBIC uh, that helps people with a farmstead idea. Mm-hmm. They helped me with consultancy and, and a business plan and, and some marketing. So they were a great organization. Wow. Um, but when we started, the idea was just to start a little bit of cheese. I had just about 10,000 euros uh, in saving money. Mm-hmm. So my uh, family-in-law built um, the creamery. I would rent it back, mm-hmm. uh, buy the milk, and uh, that's a little bit how we started. So the idea was just a little bit to make a little bit. And right. education at that point was not not high on the list. Right. As we went along and we saw, well, we got requests for our local school to come down with their third graders or mm-hmm. um, kindergarten kids and just to see the kids to become aware of, of, of the calf and the cow and the enjoyment yeah. that they have by petting a calf. Um, and then when you explain people the process, because we did have windows already in our little uh, creamery at mm-hmm. the time, um, people were like, oh, and you would see that they were willing to spend a little bit more um, after they were explained what it all takes to, to uh, produce a piece of cheese, how often it, how many hands and how many people are helping to produce that cheese. Right. Um, and then, uh, so it was mutual. It was the appreciation from the consumer mm-hmm. and uh, their enthusiasm, enthusiasm uh, that made me um, very enthusiastic. Mm. So, um, so I, we have a win-win situation here, I think. And plus, yeah. I think it becomes more and more important. And I know not all dairy farmers have the opportunity uh, to do so, or, or, but they also contribute in different ways. Mm. But um, I, I want to contribute to a more positive image by showing them what we're doing on our farm. And I think the love between the farmer and his cow should be uh, showcased mm. more. We, mm. we need to showcase the love between, uh, between the dairy farmer and the cows because you don't become a dairy farmer. It's more like a calling. And uh, and who becomes something that they don't like? And sometimes you see that on the news, or you see things coming by on on, right. on social media, and um, right. um, and it's it's a lot of misunderstanding because there are certain things that you do as a dairy farmer that uh, are getting interpreted the wrong way. But right. we love our cows. You don't become a, an accountant if you hate numbers. Why would right, you devote right. your whole life when you hate a cow? So it makes sense. Um, I think. We should show how much love there is between the dairy farmer and, yeah. and its cows. So. Yeah, and as a farmstead uh, cheesemaker, you have that great opportunity where you have both sides of it. You have the dairy and then also yes. the cows, and they're really right there. I mean, I, I peeked in, I poked my head in the barn when I, when I stopped by just to see. Um, but how many animals do you have right there next to the dairy? We have about 400 uh, animals wow. on the farm. Wow, that's, yeah. so, that's a great... And they all have a name, and uh, <laughs> we're always looking for more names, so wow. people can always send us an email at uh, info at marikagura.com. Oh, great. Um, so so your customers can help with the naming. I love that. Yes, yes, we do that. And, um, yeah, we love it. And we like, we do tours uh, mm-hmm. in the summer months, mm-hmm. uh, June, July, and August. Uh, we have some great uh, tour guides on our team. And we uh, give tours at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then people can come and they can take a little peek behind the scene. We'll go through the barn. Um, Mm -hmm. If people don't want to set up a tour or or they don't have time, they can come in in a walk-in base. And then they can just go in guided Mm -hmm. areas, uh, secured areas, where they can see how we milk our cows and how we make uh, turn the milk into into a bundle of joy. Yeah, totally. So I... 
I'm struck by that, the, the, those two motivating factors in the very beginning, how you, you really wanted to own your own business by age 30 and how you were passionate for the product. And I'm wondering, as a business owner, uh, you know, I, I want to, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what it was that was driving you to want to own your own business. You know, I think that's also maybe in a way a calling. It's like some people are very entrepreneurial and others a uh, little more risk averse. Um, so what was that, that was it something you always wanted to do or did that drive kind of increase when you were looking at moving to a new country? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm very impulsive and I don't always <laughs> think things very well through. Um, and, I think that's a good um, trait in an entrepreneur because if you thought about it too much, you might not do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And, you know, it takes a lot of dreams uh, to make one dream happen, too. Mm-hmm. So people shouldn't get discouraged about right. if something doesn't work. Not every dream has to succeed. Though. Right. It's such a um, good... It was so interesting to hear that you were pr- actually pursuing this whole other idea of the children's furniture um, yeah. and kind of running into obstacles there before, you know, you, you stumbled into what you're doing now with, with so much success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I... I uh, so I never got pushed by uh, becoming, not like it's a calling that I wanted to make cheese, but I thought that would be the best um, idea at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I completely fell uh, in love with uh, the industry. Mm. Um, I cannot tell you how wonderful the people are in this industry and um, how helpful they have been. Yeah. Um, when they, they, they welcomed me with uh, open arms and um, we help try to help each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many ways because everybody makes their own unique um, bundle of joy again, their own <laughs> products. Yeah. And we can consolidate, we can help each other with the marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many things that you can do together mm-hmm. uh, and, and move the product all over the uh, United States and beyond. So um, so I kind of fell in love with, uh, with the cheese and, and the people that are involved in the, in the food industry. Yeah. Um, do you have and any... And uh, we, won, we won our first award uh, four months into it. And, oh, wow. And that really helped us uh, make, well, uh, put our name on... Uh, out there too. So. Right. I didn't realize it happened that quickly. That's incredible. Yeah, we were very, very fortunate. Yeah. And for you, so so it's pretty striking being in in the um the shop right next to your uh cheese making dairy or you know in the same building. You have there's so many ribbons and it was it was really fun to see them all in person and kind of soak up like just the the greatness that was displayed on the walls it was like oh my goodness i've never seen a more decorated room Aww. with these awards um well, thank you yeah it it's really incredible and i'm also curious like if that you know in terms of how you're thinking about your business and what you're trying to do um where it sounds like the awards were something you participated in right away, and is that something that you feel like as a company is one of your big goals is is to continue to compete in that area? Yes. Mm. Um, so how it happened is uh, when we started again. Well, we thought to stay very little. Um, I just wanted to be close. I wanted to start my own business and stay uh, close to the children. Um, mm-hmm. And then Norm Munson from DBIC, from the organization that helped us, um, 
he called me and said, Marika, there's a competition coming up and you should enter. Mm. So we uh, we were only, uh, it was Rolf, me, and uh, Martha was our first team member. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all entered our own wheel, uh, young Gouda, a Cuman, and a Fenugreek. And then the Fenugreek that Rolf picked uh, won the competition, well, won a mm. golden award at that competition. I love that Fenugreek, um, by the way. That cheese is so yeah. good. It's like maple syrup and i don't know it's and like nutty. yeah it's yeah. like it's like roasted nuts with maple syrup i can't it's like not it's crazy <laughs> and you know that one won so many awards i couldn't even tell how many i have mm. no idea it won so many awards <laughs> um but that one won and uh so and but when norm called and he was all excited he says marika i I'm I, I'm not pretty. I I think uh, just heard through the grapevine. Uh, I think you guys won a golden award, and and he was totally excited. And I'm like, oh okay, oh okay, that's 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 great. <laughs> and I hang up, and I went with the two cups of coffee. I remember because we were just had a cheese under the press, mm-hmm. and it was uh, there was some sun shining, and uh, we were drinking a cup of coffee. And then I said, oh yeah, by the way, Nam just called, <laughs> and he thinks that we won something, you know. And now I'm a completely junkie. I'm like, I get nervous already. Ah, and, uh, I see. I, well, like, now I'm You're hooked. the ball. Like, you would never, you would never be distracted by the sunshine yeah. again while you're waiting for that phone call. No, yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, we're actually, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to have okay. a short message from our cheese-loving supporters. Listeners, we'll be back in a few with more from Marika Penterman in Wisconsin. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of the Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach Cave Age cheeses, Der Scharfe Max, Appenzeller, Tete de Moin, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. And we're back. I'm Elena Santigade. This is Cutting the Curd, and I'm here with Marika Penterman in Wisconsin. Uh, we were just talking about the many awards that Marika Gouda has won over the years. Um, and Marika, I'd actually, uh, during that short break, I was thinking I want to completely change gears and get really detailed here because you've mentioned a couple times you have five kids, you've got this big family, you have so much, you've just grown the business. And I'm curious, what is your day like? <laughs> how do you okay, how do you I, juggle everything? And I and I, I, I will tell you all our family secrets, <laughs> but I, I just want to jump back one thing because I'm very proud of that. Okay. Um, in 2013, we were nominated the best cheese in America. Yes, this was and, huge. Um, 
with that, I actually won my, uh, not one, but this is how I got my green card. Uh, oh, so wow. at that point, our immigration lawyer said, well, Marika, I think we should, uh, we should see if we could qualify you for the extraordinary ability route. Wow. And, um, and we, he did, we, we applied for it and we got approved and that's how we got our green card. So wow. I don't have to hide in basements anymore. Isn't that <laughs> nice? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I that. Well, these days um, you never know. Um, yeah, so the cheese brought me also my my uh, permanent visa. That I'm, is I'm incredible, and and talk about something that I mean, could you ever have predicted that cheese would have brought you you know permanent uh, status no. here in the, in the no, United States? No, never, never, and it was the only way uh, we would have never been able to get it otherwise. Mm. So uh, oh. it's wonderful to get it that way. Wow. But going back to our five children and um, <laughs> and juggling because, it all. Uh, Yes. yes. What is your yes. day like? I'm a big, I'm a total, you know, daily workflow junkie. I always want to know what people do when they wake up. How, how do they organize themselves, especially high performing people? So I'm curious if you wouldn't mind even just talking us through a little bit of today. What did your life look like today? <laughs> well, well, uh, again, you know, how does my, well, what I the question what I do at a day mm-hmm. um, and the answer because I have a hard time answering that because I sometimes I don't even know what happened I know a lot of things <laughs> happened but uh, a lot of things that I could not have projected when I got up right um, so my answer is always whatever it takes yeah so uh, what did I do today whatever it takes mm. um but yeah, uh, I in the morning I I got a very nice. Now um, there was a time that I had to be early here, but uh, oh, yeah, Christian, sure. one of my team members, is is uh, first here in the creamery, okay. so I can stay with the kids, get the kids uh, to school. That's um, cool. And when they're to school, then uh, Rolf comes home, and we'll have a cup of coffee with our intern. We have an intern from Holland uh, for five months too. We get oh. we have a lot of people staying at our house. Yeah, uh, we have one coming in March again. Um, and then we uh, we go to the creamery, and um, I do some stuff at home first, mm-hmm. and then we go to the creamery. Um, I I travel a lot, um, so I just came back from Boise. Um, oh wow! Where we did uh, where we just started. Um, um, Boise Co-op is carrying us in their supermarkets, mm-hmm. um, and then tomorrow I'm leaving. Uh, tomorrow I'm leaving. I'm I'm in a panel Wednesday morning in Green Bay. Ah. Um, yeah, my my day is all over the place. Today, after we hang up, I'm gonna have two uh, Dutch people that contacted me yesterday that uh, would like to talk about how to market uh, a dairy product. Mm. So they're gonna stay for the night, and then um, yeah, tomorrow we'll. Uh, Wow. Try to get my laundry done uh, <laughs> so the kids have some clean clothes. Um, Sneak they're that very in good somehow. though. My yeah, my kids are very good because there was a time that mom, they would say, "Mom, when is the pants clean?" And I think it started when the oldest were so about four years. Yeah, like mom will clean it. Mom will clean it. At some point, they just went, "Mom, could you just explain me to wash her?" Oh, uh, amazing! That's said, a dream. I, I said I would do it. Yeah, but we don't want to wait like three, four days. We would <laughs> like to have it washed for tomorrow. So could you please explain that washer to us? Oh my so, goodness! Um, yeah, so they're very. They help a lot. The, the, uh, and how the old are they? Are, yeah, they're fourteen. They're gonna be fifteen in February. Wow. They're twin girls, identical twin girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, one is really a, a farmer, and the other one mm. is probably gonna be a chef. She likes to cook. Ah. So, um, but they, it's Sunday morning at six. They they get up to help feed calves, and wow. um, and they have a, a job now already at uh, our local supermarket. So they're they're really good girls. 
Um, and then we have a boy, Dean. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm telling you, if I ask him to vacuum the house, the, the world collapses a little bit. <laughs> um, but he wants to be a pilot. And then Fenner, she, uh, she thinks about being um, a lawyer and the youngest. Yeah, he could be anything um, I just hope I don't have to uh, visit them in, in, in prison. But um, no, he's, he's, he's a great kid too. Well, but they all have their own personalities. But it's oh, hard to, uh, to carry all the hats. And uh, you always feel like you're slacking something at home yeah. with the kids or at work. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a, it is a, uh, a struggle. Um, is, there anything, uh, is there anything <laughs> that you do for, you know, for yourself that you squeeze out on the sides? Or how do you, um, how do you like, ground yourself, would you say? Um, I, I, well, that's something I try to uh, relook at it. Um, um, you try to combinate things. So tomorrow... Um, I'm going to Green Bay early, and mm-hmm. then uh, I, I'm going to take my best friend with me. Ah. Uh, we'll make a, a nice trip out of it. That's fun. And then, uh, so then it's pleasure and work a little bit together. But yeah, uh, yeah you have to do those kind of things. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. I don't have, and I have not found her out, uh, the right answer to mm. uh, how to do it all. But I did do notice that um, sometimes when you, you're working, and my husband is a really hardworking person, mm-hmm. um, um, it, it sometimes creates um, a room for kids to develop and, and take responsibility. For yeah, and, it's a perfect um, and example. And then when you're home. Yeah, and when you're home, you you try to take time with the kids. Right. Um, and we, on purpose, did not build a house by the farm uh, mm. because we're open from 7 till 7. Now we have winter hours a little bit, but normally during the high season and stuff, we're open from 7 till 7. Wow. Um, so we decided not to live on the farm so that when we would be at home, we would be at home yeah. um, and you not still really have unplug foot at the farm. Yes, right. yes. Right. So. That's a smart move. I always, I always think it's good to have a little distance and also to clear, clear your head a little bit, you know, to ready yourself for the next thing. Yes, because you do need, if you are constantly, and I tell people too, um, and I, I love making cheese and I, and I, um, but you, by standing by the cheese fed 24 seven, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not giving us room for me to think or, or think what's going to be the next step or right. um, because marketing is a big thing too and I and I like the contact with uh, the cheesemongers and the consumers and mm-hmm. I, I love to go out there and talk with people and see what we can do better uh, if people have new ideas for flavors mm-hmm. um, yeah so but yeah, I'm very grateful for my team because they make it all happen uh, we have very uh, independent go-getters on our team and uh, that helped us grow too. Yeah, that's great. How many people are on your team at this point? We have about 35 people. So we started about 12 years ago with one person and uh, we have about 35 people right now. Wow. Plus the 400 uh, Gouda ladies in the barn. So it's it's (laughs) a big team. Don't forget. We can't forget about them. No, absolutely not. No. Wow, that's really fun. And it sounds like, you know, it does sound like your days are all can be very different. Like, yeah, like you're not working that sort of cheese makers uh, just day in, day out uh, in the VAT schedule, which I agree. I think it's good to be close to the, you know, have some some closeness with the market and with, with the front lines of the people selling the cheese too. It's um, it's so important to get it's that feedback. It's on both feedback. sides. Yeah, right. you, you have to be by the cheese, but uh, you also want to hear the feedback and, and help sell it. And mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, it's it's uh, there are a lot of hats to wear, and unfortunate, I I do have a lot of good people that that I can count on, and and everything will still keep on rolling. Right, right. The the cheese gets made every day. Yes. And then the, there's also, you know, whenever we have someone from Wisconsin on air, it's always a fun chance to talk about the uniqueness of the dairy farmers of Wisconsin and how this, you know, that statewide marketing body really enables everybody to pool their efforts in a way. Um, and I know that there was that a recent commercial was launched by the Dairy Farmers yeah. of Wisconsin. Listeners will post a, uh, a link to it on the show page. But uh, in the commercial, just to paint the picture for everyone, there's this. It, it's a commercial promoting the cheesemakers of Wisconsin. And it's completely idyllic, this gorgeous Wisconsin countryside. And, and you see a big empty uh, wooden table in the middle of the countryside and all of the Wisconsin cheesemakers bring their cheese and add it to this table. Yeah. Uh, and it's an amazing visual and it looked like so much fun to film. <laughs> it looked yeah. like you were all having a blast. Yeah, kind of a little reunion. So right. uh, it was just perfect. It's yeah. it's such a it's such a happy community. Just you know, I've met a, a number of the people who are standing there in the commercial, and it's like, oh wow, what an amazing group of people. Did you? Yeah. Um, where was the commercial shot? Oh, that's a good question. It's close by Verona area, uh, Beloit. Ah, okay. Beloit? Okay. Yeah, it was uh, lower there, and uh, it was a beautiful. Uh, it was not such a beautiful day, so it's amazing what they can do uh, because it was raining, and we had to oh, wait a little wow. bit. But that's perfect because we were all sitting, um, having a beer, uh, <laughs> nice. eating some good food good. Um, in the in the barn there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when the weather cleared up, everybody was like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go," you know, and just uh, ran out. Yeah, it was. Yep, and it was good to see everybody again, and. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's a great uh, promotion of our product because mm-hmm. Wisconsin truly have. Um, there are other states that claim that they have happy cows. Well, if they have happy cows, we have extremely happy cows. Mm-hmm. And you know, extremely happy cows make uh, great great milk that turns in even better cheese, a better products. You know, so um, totally, it's a really good way in showcasing all the beautiful things we have here in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's really fun. Again, listeners, I'll put in the show notes. And full disclosure, I'm I work with the dairy farmers of Wisconsin as well, and I I, I agree. It's like such a joy to promote just I you know really happy cows. That's what it comes down to a lot, and it's it's just fun to be able to share that, especially in that video with everyone. And I think something to be proud of is too uh, the quality again. Uh, there's a like like our goodas, but there are a lot of um, old generation recipes, uh, cheeses that we make. Mm. And you see now in competition, going back to this competition, that where the World Cheese Competition, they have international mm-hmm. uh, international uh, judges uh, that will t- um, judge your cheeses. And right. our cheeses do uh, in Wisconsin was um, very high scored. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, with the quality that we have here in Wisconsin, you really can... Uh, um, Almost outdo Europe, I would think. It's so, pretty amazing. Um, the category in Gouda, for an example, the top three were all Gouda's from Wisconsin, and it was judged 
by a Dutch judge. So wow. um, that wow. says something about the quality that we have here totally. uh, in Wisconsin. Totally. Yeah. And I, I also and think um, it's pretty unusual for, and now I'm, I, w- I really want on air to, to mess up saying this word because I'm excited to have you tell me how it's really pronounced. But how, <laughs> how do I, okay, how badly am I saying it? Here it goes. Borenkeza? Is that how oh, I would say it? You do pretty well. Uh, pretty well. We say burenkas. 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 Yeah, we roll the little, uh, little. Uh, we roll the R a little bit more. Ooh, I like the roll. Burenkas. Burenkas. And that's called farmstead cheese. Yeah, uh, and I feel uh, like it's pretty unusual, or at least to me, it feels unusual to see a, a real farmstead raw milk gouda here in the states. Um, yeah, I think we're one of the rare, um, if not the only Gouda, yeah. um, but there are not many um, people that have a farmstead, uh, that make farmstead cheeses anymore. Right. And that means uh, it's not family farms, it's, it's we're a family farm also, but mm-hmm. it's a farmstead. So the, the cows get milked right there on the spot where the cheese has been made. Right. Uh, Crave Brothers is another example from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Hatch is another example. Right. Uh, so that means that the, that the milk produced is right there where you also manufacture it. So the cows are right there. Right. Um, and that, I think, I uh, one of the, um, the creamy flavor, clean uh, creamy flavor, I um, give credit to our cows. It's mm. because the cows came straight from the milk. Uh, the milk came straight from the cows uh, right. into our cheese fat, and then we make it within five hours into cheese. Wow. Yeah, it really doesn't get any fresher than that. No, no, I don't think so. So it's so great. Um, and that's why we are feel comfortable to make a raw milk uh, farmstead cheese because we're right there uh, where everything happens and yeah. the circle is complete. And uh, and then we get to talk with the consumers right here on the on the retail farm that we had. We had about 150, 160,000 people last year that wow. uh, came and uh, uh, toured the facility and, and sampled the cheeses. And mm. um, I always say we produce on the DI of the consumer and it keeps us sharp too. Yeah, that's great. And it's such a, it's such an inspirational, uh, like proactive move to do that. You know, some some yeah. businesses would be so secretive or just want to keep things to themselves. But to say, you know, it's not even about pressure from the market. It's just that you want to be open and you want people to see what you're doing and learn about it. It's just, it, yes. it's, I yeah. love it. It's the right way. And- Yes, and, and another thing I'm very proud of is uh, I'm not a feminist at all, but I have, we have three uh, licensed female cheesemakers, me being mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think between all the handsome cheesemakers, it's just nice <laughs> uh, that there are some female cheesemakers there out there too. Absolutely. Um, because it becomes more and more teamwork inside and outside uh, the house. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm very proud of that too. That's great. Yeah, I saw, I was looking at some photos that looked like you had a number of women on your team. So I thought that was really awesome to see. Yeah, we have a lot of ladies over here. Uh, so the poor guys, but uh, yeah, they, <laughs> keep they them, seem to handle themselves. Yeah, keep them on their toes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, Marika, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me on air. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, just one little fun fact about Gouda. Oh, let's hear um, it. I always said Gouda was uh, discovered in a little town called Gouda, like Kobe was discovered in Kobe. Mm-hmm. Not true. There's not one pound of Gouda produced in a town called Gouda, Gouda in Holland. 
but around there were farms that uh, uh produces that will bring their cheese to the market in Gouda. Mm. And if you ever have a chance to travel to Holland, uh, it's really uh, uh, beautiful to see because every Friday they still have that traditional way of uh, marketing the cheese there on the uh-huh. market. And they come with the horses and they throw off the cheese wheels. Uh, wow. So it's beautiful to see. And uh, so that's why it's uh, called Gouda. Good um, fact. This is great trivia here as, as people... Okay, then I have two short ones. I don't know if I Oh, this is time. perfect. Of course. Yes, <laughs> yeah? let's hear it. I okay. love, I then, love uh, good cheese uh, trivia. Another one is, uh, why does good I have a wheel... Well, it has a wheel shape, but why does it have a wheel shape? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in the earlier days when they would transport the cheese from one harbor to the other, instead of walking down the plank, they would roll the cheese. Mm-hmm. So it has uh, as uh, mm-hmm. transportation purposes. <laughs> And then the other thing is, uh, that's why Rolf and I always say we feel very home here, because here in Wisconsin we are called cheeseheads, but in Holland we are called cheeseheads too. Uh-huh. And the reason for that is that in the earlier days, well, the the cheese would put, um, when it comes out of the cheese fat, it would be put in a mold, mm-hmm. uh, like those round Kodolfa molds, mm-hmm. uh, plastic molds. Um, they used to be made out of wood. And when the Dutch would go to war, they would use those wooden molds <laughs> as a helmet. So I'm not sure how bulletproof they are, but uh, still a lot of Dutchy survived, apparently. Yeah, maybe they instilled uh, they instilled the soldiers with a certain amount of passion and yes, you know, oh, I love uh, it. So, but that's why because we had those cheesy molds on our heads. So, uh, so you felt right at home. Well, yes, I love it. Any others? Those were so great. This is well, well those, those are for now. So okay, by great. our next conversation, okay, maybe, good, Elena, I will good. come up with a couple more. All right, <laughs> listeners, stay tuned for that. Well, Marika, thanks again so much, and good luck with your travels and uh, well, the end you. of the year. And thank, and thank you for having me on the show. Of and, course. Uh, thank you, listeners, uh, for listening to my story. And uh, stop in at Thorpe or visit us on the website, marikaguda.com. Great. Listeners, if you aren't on your way already, I highly suggest going out and getting yourself a piece of Marika Gouda. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And don't miss our last show of the season next week. Diane, Aaron, and I will all be together in studio for a special host show as we celebrate the end of a great year in cheese. Next year, Heritage Radio Network is turning 10. For the last decade, we've been committed to bringing listeners around the world the very best in food radio, for free. Our small staff and incredible network of hosts work hard so that listeners can tune in each week to hear the important conversations in food policy, stay on the cutting edge of cocktail culture, and hear the latest updates in food tech. But there is no HRN without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and help HRN get a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. There's no better time to show your support. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate and wish HRN a happy birthday. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.